Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Greg Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. A warm and friendly welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment. We are going to be joined by Joe Gallant, doing a great job with FTM Bets. He also does a little bit of everything when it comes to Bets TV as well. We're going to be chatting with him in the second segment just about what we're going to be able to expect from some of these postseason races, some of the teams that he expects to be able to perhaps ascend when it comes to these conference races, how to be able to handle some of the teams that were really, really bad in the first half, if there's any hope for teams like the Diamondbacks and companies. So we're going to have that chat in the second segment. Then in the final segment, Typically, I give you a side in total on every game on the betting board and a little something I like to call touch them all. Unfortunately, that will not be the case because we just do not have any games. So I'm going to do a little bit of a roundup of what was all profitable in the first half of the season. Teams that were very demonstrative to the over, to the under. Most and least profitable starting pitchers as well. Just take a look at some of the things that were able to make you money. So we're going to just do some trend spotting in the final segment. And we did wind up having one game game in baseball on Tuesday. That'd be the All-Star game. We're going to recap that in a second. First things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. So you've got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at JarenScorty1. Keep in mind, letters DM, they mean does not matter. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. Then from there, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, 
what have you into there. Did not wind up getting in any today. But with that said, we do have a programming note as well. If you're looking for a little bit more of myself talking a little football, talking NBA Finals, obviously baseball, myself and Jeff Parles on the Vegas Edson Information Network from 7 to 10 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern, are hosting the nightcap all week long, Monday through Friday. So be on the lookout for that. We were on the lookout for some winners in the All-Star game, and we were able to deliver. So let's take a look at that and just try to get to know what happened with these All-Star players. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. Typically, I talk about trends, but we do have a trend in the All-Star game. The American League has won eight straight games. They wind up taking down the National League by a count of 5-2, to two, so pretty much any all alternate run line that you took that wasn't completely insane and the under wind up hitting Shoei Otani winds up pitching a flawless first inning the runs that were given up by the American League unearned run by Chris Bassett given up Gregory Soto wound up giving up a solo home run being able to go deep for the National League in this one JT Riamito and the American League wound up having a home run off the bat of Vlad Guerrero Jr. went north of 450 feet that was off of one Coben Burns, his first ever all-star home run. He was able to have an RBI ground out as well, so he wound up getting the MVP award. Taiwan Walker served one up to Mike Zanino as well. So you had just a fun all-star game. Max Scherzer was able to pitch a flawless first setting. All in all, National League pitchers were able to get 12 strikeouts, including Freddie Peralta being able to strike out the side on 12 pitches. That was something that stood out to me. He's going to be good in the back half of the season for the National League. Central leaders, the Milwaukee Brewers, and taking a look at the American League as well. They only had three strikeouts in this game, which I thought was absolutely insane. You wound up having the Buccos get a hit off the bat of Adam Frazier. He was able to give them a hit, so that was relatively solid. And if you're looking for players that wound up having a two-hit performance, Xander Bogarts wound up having that. So that's what we all saw from the All-Star game yesterday. Obviously, we don't have anything that's widespread that we're able to take a look at. It was just a fun event in general. And it's just good to be able to take a look at the second half of the season. Joe Galan does terrific work with FTN Bets. He's going to be joining me next. We're going to be taking a look at some of the things that we're going to be looking at for the back half of the season. Some of the teams that he thinks might have value on a game-by-game perspective along with the futures market as well. That's on the other side right here on the Baseball League Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here in Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Great to be joined by our next guest as we've got on a gentleman that does a little bit of everything over there at FTM Bets. Also does some work with Bets TV, which actually has the Twitter handle of at, at Bets Media. As it is Joe Gallant joining me on the podcast. He's over there in the great country of Canada looking at a wide variety of things. I know that he's like so many others getting prepared for the upcoming football season, all forms of football there. He right now does a great job being able to take a look at baseball. I know that he's been looking at a lot of player props when it comes to the NBA finals. So the man is staying very busy and doing a great job of being able to cover just a little bit of everything in the sports world. And you're able to follow him on Twitter at GDog5000 and dog is spelled D-A-W-G and then just the number 5,000. Don't try to spell out the entire word 5,000. You just have too many characters for a Twitter handle. And Jill, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you so much for joining me. Yes, thank you very much for the esteemed welcome, Greg. Maybe with the break in MLB here, maybe you might be able to actually catch up maybe an extra hour of sleep tonight with your capping. <laughs> I was going to say I'm usually one of the more busier people that I hang around with. So being able to talk to you, I feel like I got to pick it up here. 
Oh, man, it is going to be nice to be able to get an extra couple minutes of sleep, a little bit of R&R, maybe be able to put back a beverage or two tonight. That'll be absolutely amazing. And with that said, what else I think is very important, just these next few days is sort of take this time to recalibrate. I don't know how you wind up typically handling the All-Star break because, for one, we didn't wind up having one last year. So first time in quite a while that we've actually had it. But for two, what I typically like to do is I just typically try to take a look at some of the things that have been going right, take a look at some of the teams that have evolved throughout the season as well. Because as we know, some teams that they wind up getting off to hot starts, they aren't so hot anymore. And what I think is a really good thing to do is that sometimes when you're just handicapping baseball night in and night out, you lose sight of some of the pitchers that might be performing a little bit better than you might think, and some of the guys that might be performing a little bit worse. Because when you take a look at a guy that might have like a 4-5 or ERA or something like that, you're probably thinking, oh, this guy's not making money whatsoever. But typically when you look at the most profitable pitchers out there in baseball, it's not like a Jacob deGrom. It's not like a Brandon Woodruff. It's a lot of these guys that have middle-of-the-road ERAs that I would argue are probably getting favorable matchups rather than just the guys that have the great raw stats. Yeah, and I was going to say, too, in a lot of the time when we're at the All-Star break, we look at just like the basic, the ERA, the WHIP, and the FIP, and all the good stuff here, and we're looking at it. A lot of the time, we kind of like to look maybe just at the four, let's say 4.5 ERA, and just thinking to ourselves, okay, well, that's a little bloated. I don't know how I feel comfortable with that, but then we're not actually sometimes, because there's so many games and so many pitchers to look at, sometimes maybe we, we gloss over looking at maybe the game-by-game basis here and kind of looking at the situation because you could see maybe a pitcher had a great June, a couple of starts going into the All-Star break, but because he had a terrible April, that's why his ERA is there, or vice versa. He had a great start in April and May and, you know, was kind of limping into the All-Star break, and we're just kind of looking at those stats of being like, hmm, is this kind of a buy or sell here? I'm completely in the same boat here. I like to take a step back and recalibrate and kind of just look at what we've seen so far of the year, you know, kind of what offenses are clicking as we're going into the break, you know, what ones are kind of just gasping for air trying to get to the break so that way they can, you know, stop the bleeding here. So that's kind of where I'm at right now is I'm just kind of looking through those kinds of teams, seeing, you know, what's real, what's not, you know, what team could maybe make a little bit of a run here? You know, maybe some teams that might be more buyers and sellers, like the Cubs is like one team that I think of right now that some people I've been speaking with of whether or not they can make a run in the NL Central. But then when you speak to some other people, especially people who are more tuned into the Cubs, you know, it's probably going to be a fire sale here coming up if things don't turn around here in the opening two weeks after the break. So those are the kinds of teams that I'm looking at, like a team like the Cubs or, you know, maybe a team like the Reds if we're sticking with the NL Central of teams that maybe could go in completely different directions after the break. And I think that you bring up some teams that are very fascinating to take a look at as we do have Joe Galant joining me on the podcast, taking a look at some of those teams that are hovering right around 500. Maybe they're a game or two below 500 out there and say the NL East, for example, where truly nobody is out of that playoff hunt, or maybe a team like the LA Angels, who they've been able to get by without Mike Trout to this point. They should be getting them back shortly after the All-Star break. Perhaps they wind up going out and shock, shock, surprise, surprise, acquiring pitchers. What a concept that would be for the (laughs) Angels, but that's something that you take a look at. But I do feel like this year it's relatively easy to be able to take a look at some of these other teams as well because, I mean, even though the Dodgers are dealing with some things, you know that the Dodgers night in and night out are going to be a relatively solid team. You know that night in and night out the Houston Astros are going to be a solid offense. And then on the other side, you've got teams like the Baltimore Orioles, the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Texas Rangers that – you're not going to be taking a look at them in too many spots unless, for example, like 
a Kyle Gibson is going for the Texas Rangers, a Merrill Kelly is going at home for the years in the Diamondbacks. There's only really select spots that you're going to be taking a look at some of these really bad teams. Well, and one of the teams that I'm just kind of wondering, I'm fascinated still with the splits of the Colorado Rockies and how oh. they could be so dominant at Coors Field. <laughs> but just like I've never seen it like that, where you have a 31 and 17 record going into the break at home, which is probably, I th- yeah, I'm pretty sure it's the second best record in the National League right now for a home team. But then you look at the road and they're 9-34. and 34. I, And I just don't understand how that could be such a split like that because this is a Major League Baseball team. It's not like Coors Field is really giving them that much of an edge. But somehow, for whatever reason, they're just performing better at home. There's teams like that that, you know, that I'm kind of looking at that I really think that could maybe make a bounce back here in the second half. Like looking at some like NL East uh, futures, for example. I mean, I know it's easy to write off the Braves here after Acuna got injured there. And I know that, you know, they've had a little bit of bad luck as well, you know, with Max Freed as well, you know, just as far as injuries are concerned but it's one of those teams that I actually think is not too far off from where the Mets are in that division and I still don't believe enough in the Phillies to be able to kind of hold on but they're both sitting there at the 500 mark they're only about three and a half games back of the Mets but they're both sitting at probably you know plus 150 to plus 200 to come back and win the division not really the best value at this point like another team, for example, the Nationals. Like, again, they're only six games back. You know, you could argue that they have the second best rotation in, the, in that division, maybe even the best if you just exclude DeGrom. But again, it's just one of those things that those are the types of teams that I'm kind of looking at here going into the second half of whether or not there's some value here if we could jump on some divisional futures. And what I think is really big for the Nationals as well is just being able to get back Kyle Schwarber because there was a point in June in which they were 19-9 and while he was mashing 18 homers. Now, when Kyle Schwarber gets off the injured list, he's not going to hit something like 18 homers in the next month. I feel very safe in saying that, but he was just such a key to that Nationals team because you take a look at them, they've been able to do a good job of being able to get on base all year long. They've done a solid job of just being able to not strike out, being able to value at-bats. They just haven't necessarily had that guy other than Schwarber to be able to drive them in. Juan Soto, I recognize they want to partaking in the home run derby. You just expect a little bit more than 11 home runs for him. So if there's just any form of offense, whether it be a Josh Bell, whether it be a Juan Soto, someone that steps up and is able to give this team a couple two, three run shots, all of a sudden I do agree with you. I think that there might be some value on the Nationals because they finally have a bullpen. Well, and it's one of those things, too, with Trey Turner, because we just talked about Soto and Bell, you know, all the other pieces, but he's been, it's not a really that much of a hot take to say that he's been their best player this year, but, you know, we're going into the break, you know, he's got a 318 batting average, 17 home runs, he's only hit 19 in a, in a year before for his season long, 19 steals, like an OPS over 880, like, again, it's one of those things that I'm looking at kind of like, what could happen, and if that does happen, where can we get some value? So, like, Trey Turner, for example, at William Hill, he's uh, plus 5,000 for to win NL MVP now Jacob deGrom is the favorite for that and you know he's going to get a lot of love just based on the way that he's pitching and and then of course if people decide that they're not going to vote for a pitcher they're probably going to look at Fernando Tatis you know he's sitting there at plus 120 but you know Trey Turner and even to a lesser extent Nick Castellanos those are the two guys that I'm kind of looking at right now for that kind of backup value where you can get maybe like plus 3,000 maybe plus 3,500 if you know we start to see a little bit more of a difference here in the second half now I will say that I still probably, if I had to choose between DeGrom and Tatis, who's going to win NL MVP, I'll always side with the hitter over the pitcher just because the pitcher has so much to overcome and so much stigma to get the voters on their side. Like I know that we've seen it before, you know, with Kershaw and Verlander and, and it does happen. Like they have to have such a historic season. If there's any slip up, 
then it just their chances just shrink dramatically. So those would be the two players that I'm kind of looking at for NL MVP. And I think those coincide to maybe some of the things that we could see in the second half where maybe some of these teams like a Reds could maybe overcome the Brewers in the NL Central. Or even Nationals make a little bit of a run with Scherzer, Corbin, and, and Strasburg to a lesser extent, just all coming back and kind of, you know, we've seen them be able to do this before. And if Juan Soto, who maybe started off a little bit slow this year as well, if he's able to kind of jump back in, like you're saying, you know, provide a little bit more of a secondary or even primary offense for that matter, we could see the Nationals kind of making a little bit of a contention here in the National League for a wild card. It will be a little bit of an upper echelon type of swing here because right now the Dodgers and Padres basically own those two wild card spots right now. And they're almost like, you know, six to eight games past, you know, most of the secondary teams in every division. So one of those teams is going to have to slip for those teams to catch them. Yeah, I agree with you. And even if the Giants were to regress and play like 500 baseball the rest of the season, 500 baseball puts the Giants at north of 90 wins. And you've got to think that 90 wins is going to be more than enough to be able to get you into the postseason. Definitely agree in the National League for sure. Yep. So I agree with you on that as we do have Joe Gallant joining me on the podcast. And what I think is really interesting, and I just I so badly wish that there were markets out there in which you could just bet yes, no to be able to make the playoffs because we know that there's a lot of that when it comes to the NFL. I know that that has been coming with more and more jurisdictions being able to jump in. I would argue that the East Coast doing a little bit better than the West Coast out here in the United States of being able to provide these secondary markets of just to be able to make the postseason because I am still pretty set that we are going to be seeing three teams make the playoffs from the National League West. And then when you take a look at the American League as well, I just don't feel like there's a whole ton of parity at this point. Now, I do think that the Angels, if they just wind up picking up anything when it comes to pitching, they could be able to make things very fascinating. And the AL East is a division worth watching as well. Boston Red Sox, Tampa Bay Rays, they're both a game and a half out of first place. But I really just don't see a lot of intrigue when it comes to the rest of the American League because the Seattle Mariners are three and a half games out of a wild card spot. I have absolutely no faith whatsoever that they're going to be able to make a run at it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm still shocked they're 48 and 43 right now. So yeah, continue. Especially when like of those games, just looking again, of those games, it's over 55 games of those that they've been an underdog in. Do you know what I mean? Like where it's incredible that they're still being disrespected like that by odds makers and still winning 48 of those games. But yes, you're right. Seattle is going to be in a little bit of trouble. But I think what I was going to say as well, Greg, not to interrupt, but I just really think that the Angels, one of the tricky spots for them right now is just the teams that they have to overcome in front of them. One team that we haven't really talked about at all yet as far as what they look like in the first half and their prospects for the second half are the Yankees sitting there one game ahead of them there in the wildcard standings. But then, of course, the Blue Jays are starting to maybe putting something together here, Seattle as well. And then Oakland and Tampa still own the two spots there. So there's a few teams that they have to jump ahead here and kind of banking on those three teams. I'm not really sure which one is going to end up taking a step back to be able to let the Angels pass them, even if they were to go out and inquire, you know, some more, you know, starting rotation. Because I mean, Otani and Heaney, I like Otani, don't get me wrong. I think he's great for the game and I think he is a good pitcher, but I wouldn't feel comfortable knowing that he was probably my best starting pitcher at this point. And that's a little bit troubling going forward for the Angels prospects to make the playoffs. And looking at the playoff picture as well, I think that we are both in agreement that two teams from the AL East are going to make it. Whoever winds up winning the division between the Rays and the Red Sox, and then whoever winds up losing that race, you wind up giving them one of the wildcard spots. The only question becomes, will the Oakland A's fall out of their playoff spot? And 
Really, the only team I could see doing it is who you just wound up mentioning, the Toronto, a.k.a. Buffalo Blue Jays. If they're <laughs> able to make a little bit of a run, actually be able to play in the country of Canada for the back half of the season because they've been playing all these games in Dunedin along with Buffalo, actually give them a little bit of home field advantage. I think that they might be able to make a run at it with the Yankees losing the way that they did going into the All-Star break and just the way that they've been dysfunctional in general. I don't have a lot of faith in them and with the Cleveland Indians. They're 45 and 42, but they're just so badly banged up. I take a look at them and they're starting guys like Eli Morgan and that's just not a recipe for success. No, you're right. And the Indians, if anything, at 45 and 42 is a shock. Like I really thought the White Sox were going to run away with that division. They kind of are. They have an eight-game lead right now over other teams right now. The Blue Jays, yeah, I do think playing at home is going to add an interesting wrinkle for them for a second-half push. But again, a lot of these teams, just like the Angels, a lot of the unknowns that we that we don't know right now are really just the fact of what are these GMs going to do to be able to kind of bolster these teams to make that kind of run? You know, and what kind of pitchers are out there that could be able to boost those teams? Right now, it's still kind of all on the fence because a lot of teams are kind of maybe holding their cards to the vest just to make sure that they're not going to release kind of their plan and whether or not they want to kind of really tell their fans or even management that they're they're mailing it in for the season. I will say just being in Canada and just seeing Blue Jays coverage a lot more than, say, the average team, Atkins and Shapiro, the GM and chairman of the team, have both kind of said that they're planning to make a run here and maybe trade for some assets or trade some assets for some starting rotation help or even some bullpen help. But again, they've been kind of saying that year in, year out. So it's really difficult to put your thumb on it of what exactly they'll do to be able to improve this team. The fact that they're 19 and 20, for example, the Blue Jays at home, I think that speaks to the fact that they haven't been playing in front of a traditional home crowd. Historically, the Blue Jays have been better at home than they are on the road. I mean, that's really the MO on most MLB teams. It's rare that a team is better on the road than they are at home. Travel, you know, playing in Buffalo, then playing in Dunedin for a little bit. You know, that's really the difference between them being right there with the Red Sox at the top of the AL East or kind of toiling in third in the AL East. I agree with you. I do think that it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with the Blue Jays. And when it comes to the trade market as well, I think we both agree. Max Scherzer probably not going to be available. I think that the Nationals are going to try to make some sort of a run. And if there's any team that is not going to be willing to throw in the towel, it is the Nationals because we remember what they did in 2019. Got to feel like they're feeling like they're going to be able to recapture that magic. Got to think that someone like maybe a Kyle Gibson for the Texas Rangers going to be out there. I've heard some talk of Matthew Boyd as well if he winds up coming back healthy because the Tigers, they are starting to buy into their young guys' streaks. Google along Casey Mize having good finds for them. So got to think that they're really looking to build towards the future there. Maybe the Minnesota Twins winds up being sellers. I would doubt that they would trade someone like Jose Barrios, but I think that that might be a little bit of an off-the-beaten-path sort of option if a team is able to winding up ponying up a lot to be able to get Mr. Barrios. So I'm taking a look at those guys. I think that those are some very interesting names, but certainly that trade deadline is going to be jam-packed because I've been hearing, just like you were saying, that the Cubs are going to be sellers. And I know that you're going to be following all this, Jill. I know that you're taking a couple of days here, being able to get some R&R and getting set for the second half of the season. You're going to be doing a great job of that. And in the meantime, you're also getting set for what's going to be a tremendous football season. I know that you do a great job on the gridiron as well over there at FTN Bets. I know that you're over there with the Twitter handle at Bets Media, Bets TV. 
doing some great work over there. I know you're launching a lot right now and let the good people at home know what you've all got going on and how they're able to follow along on social media and other platforms. Absolutely. So yes, I do a lot of written content and video content for both FTM Bets and Bets TV. One of the things that I do as a daily feature for people is if they're wanting to do, you know, kind of a daily underdog bet, I do a thing called the dog of the day, which is basically my favorite bet that is either an underdog or it's plus money because the intention is we're going to do one bet a day and we're always going to try to double our money and get a little bit more more profit uh, and kind of smooth away from those minus 110s if possible. And then of course, I'm writing content daily, whether it be NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, you name it, I'm writing it right now for FTM bets. And then later this summer, I'm going to be starting a NFL betting show specifically focusing on the touchdown score market. That is one of the things that I'm probably most well known for on Twitter, just because of my ability, my recent success of betting touchdown scores and being able to find the best value possible. So that's going to be coming out later this summer. You can follow me on Twitter at GDog5000, G-D-A-W-G-5000. As more information comes out about that, I'll be posting that to my Twitter account. And then if you have any questions as well, you know, feel free to hit the DMs and yeah, let's make some money this summer. Absolutely. Jill has been doing a great job taking a look at the market out there in baseball. I know that he's been doing some bets when it comes to the NBA finals as well as we're going to be having game four go down today. So that's going to be a whole lot of fun. Jill does a great job just looking at a wide variety of markets being able to master all of them, being able to put some money in your pocket, does absolutely terrific work. And always nice to be able to get on the podcast. So big thanks to Joe Galan for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast since we don't have any games today out there in the MLB that I just take a look at some of the trends that have been profitable thus far in the MLB season. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Great to get Joe Gallant of FTN Bets on the podcast. Great to just be able to take a look at some of the things that might be very big for the second half of the MLB season. Take a look at some of the teams that might be attracting a little bit of value. And I do mean it when I say I do wish that we had a little bit more of just a to make the playoffs market out there in baseball. I'm sure that there are a couple far, far away places that offered. I'm not saying that there aren't, but with regards to most of the people that want to be betting out there on the East Coast, especially anyone looking to bet out here in Las Vegas, there just isn't that option. So certainly wish that that was a little bit more of one, but it was a great chat with our good buddy Jill. So great to be able to get him aboard. Now we're just going to take a look at a little bit of a roundup as to everything that we saw in the first half of the MLB season, some of the things that were profitable and some of the things that were not. We're going to start with some of the starting pitchers because I know that there are a lot of guys that they just wind up going on and uh, air quotes here are fadeless. For me personally, there isn't anyone that I think is an auto fade, but there are guys that I just can't bet if you wind up not getting good prices on them. Here are a few of them. If you're looking at the least profitable pitchers in baseball, and I will just give you this right now, these are all going to be via oddshark.com with regards to most and least profitable pitchers. They do a nice job. They've got a little bit of a feature on there, so that's where I'm getting this information from. But if you just bet $100 on every pitcher, so that means that you're putting down $100, whether they're a favorite, whether they're an underdog, what have you. So just on straight $100 bets. Least profitable pitcher out there in baseball, our good friend of the Baltimore Orioles, Jorge Lopez, who in 18 games this season as a starter, if you bet $100 on each of his 18 starts, 
you've lost $897. You're going to notice that a lot of these guys, they've got ERAs between, I would say, about a 4-2 and a 4-6. Because next up, Luis Castillo has been much better recently, but he just got off to that terrible start to the year, which is why he's currently sitting with a double-digit amount of losses. 19 starts this year. If you've bet every one of them for $100, you're down $719. This should come as a shock to nobody. Carlos Martinez, who's got north of a 6 ERA and throughout much of June had north of a 10 ERA. In 16 starts, if you bet on him for $100, in every start, you're down $716. Here's a shocker. We've got an Arizona Diamondback on this list. Caleb Smith, if you bet every one of his nine starts, you're down $700. He went one and eight, so that means that you were able to get him at plus $200 in one of his starts, and then the rest were just all L's. So that was not necessarily too terrific. Dane Dunning, if you bet him for $100 in every one of his starts, you are down $693. Joey Lucchese, in eight starts, you're down $622. A little bit of a spot starter for the Metropolitans. And then a couple other notable ones that stand out to me. Matt Shoemaker, who was a starter earlier in the year for the Minnesota Twins, wound up getting pushed to the bullpen. If you bet him for $100 in every one of his starts, you're down $565. Jamison Tyon has been a hot mess. If you bet on him for $100 in every one of his 17 starts, you're down $557. And then you got a couple guys that they haven't made a lot of starts, but if you've been fading them, you've made a lot of money. Trevor Kale, Matt Peacock, Keegan Aiken. All these guys have made between 7 and 8 starts, and if you backed them for $100 in every one of their starts, you're down between $505 and $512 a piece on them. And then, no doubt, the Arizona Diamondbacks. You've got Mr. John Duplantier. You're down $400 if you backed him in all four of his starts. You've got Riley Smith. If you've backed him for $100 in each of his six starts, you're down $385. The theme here, don't bet on Arizona Diamondbacks right now. Meanwhile, we'll go to the flip side. Here are some of your more profitable pitchers. Chris Flexen of the Seattle Mariners headlines this list. So if you bet Chris Flexen for $100 in every one of his starts, you're up $961. Unfortunately, you don't necessarily get the home and road splits on this list, but I have to think that a lot of this is just because every single start that Chris Flexen has at home, he is absolute dynamite. When he hits the road, not necessarily so much. And you're going to notice that a lot of these most profitable pitchers, they've got ERAs at are in the mid threes, right around a 3-5, just like what Casey Myers has. If you've bet him for every one of his starts so far this year, 17 in total, you're up $960 on $100 bets. Taiwan Walker, if you backed him in his 16 starts, you're up $848. Aaron Savali, if you've backed him, and he's currently on the injured list, but should be coming back relatively soon after the All-Star break, plus $815 if you backed him in 15 starts. And how about this little bit of a newer one, Logan Gilbert. The team is 8-1 and one in his starts, which means that if you backed him for $100 in all nine of his starts, you're up $751. And Matt Moore, yeah, Matt Moore of the Philadelphia Phillies, you're up $650 if you bet $100 on each out of his six starts. That one really stands out to me. And then if you got a couple other ones like Kevin Gosman, you're up $557 if you bet on him in each of his 18 starts. Obviously, these are just straight money line bets. This is not like the run line, an alternate run line, or anything like that. Adrian Hauser, you're up $566 if you backed him in each out of his 16 starts. And the one that really stands out to me, of the Pittsburgh Pirates, Chad Cool. If you backed him for 100 bucks in each out of his 11 starts, you're up $520. So there are some valuable guys out there. Heck, 
even we'll throw in there Tyler Anderson. You're up four hundred thirty-seven dollars if you bet on him in his seventeen starts. So there is some value with some of these lesser teams like the Pittsburgh Pirates. You saw someone like a Matt Moore be able to lend you a little bit of money as well. So there are some guys out there that are able to make you some money on some lesser teams. But if you're looking at overall trends, because I know that a lot of people have been looking at overs with the sticky substances being outlawed a little bit by Major League Baseball. What we've noticed is a relative 50-50 splits with regards to the over and the under ever since the enforcement actually wound up taking place. So there hasn't really been a lot of money to the over. There hasn't been a lot of money to the under. What I'd be taking a look at a little bit more is just these places in which there's going to be a lot of humidity in July and August, non-dome teams, and there are a couple teams that have been very good to the over at home, and the best so far, it shouldn't surprise you too much that the LA Angels have been playing a whole bunch of overs so far this year. If you take a look at just the Angels home games, because overall, they're number two in the league with the percentage of their games that have went over, but in Angels home games so far this year, the over is 29-16-1. That is a 64.4% clip to the over. That is by far the best out there in baseball. You've got a couple other teams in which, well, the pitching's not so great and you've been able to catch a lot of overs. With the Baltimore Orioles, 64.3% of their home games have went over, and these are just home games. And then from there, Arizona Diamondbacks, Cleveland Indians, Minnesota Twins. What do they all have in common? Their starting rotations right now are quite a bit out of flux. All these teams have hit the over in between 60.9 and 62% of their home games, so that is something that you want to be taking a look at. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the best teams with regards to the under at home, a pair of teams out there in the National League East, the New York Mets, in their home game so far this year, 12 overs, 27 unders, and a push. And the Washington Nationals, 13 overs and 33 unders. That is a clip of 71.7% to the unders. So we are seeing some big splits there. And if you're taking a look at the Colorado Rockies, obviously they've got the most demonstrative home and road splits when it comes to being able to make you money. They've only got nine road wins so far this year. I believe that they are on pace for the worst record on the road in Major League Baseball history, but if you're just taking a look at teams that have been able to make you slash lose you money all year long, no doubt the Colorado Rockies on the road have been really bad. We all know about our good buddies, the Arizona Diamondbacks, but just how bad is it for the Arizona Diamondbacks? Once again, this is going to be via Odd Shark. Once again, this is just going to be on $100 bets, but if you've backed the Arizona Diamondbacks for $100 in every one of their games so far this year, you are down $3,337. That's absolutely insane. Meanwhile, if you back them on the road, all their road games, you're down $2,008 at home, minus $1,329. Just absolutely insane what we've seen with that. And then if you take a look out there with the Colorado Rockies, it is so interesting to take a look at their splits because if you back the Colorado Rockies for $100 in every one of their games at home so far this year, you're actually up $1,758. If you back them for $100 in every one of their road games, you're down $2,182. So all in all, the Colorado Rockies have lost you $424 if you bet on them in every single game so far this year. It's not great, but at the same time, it's actually on par with the San Diego Padres, which if you back them in every one of their games so far this year, you're down $398 according to Odd Shark. For the LA Dodgers, you're down $442. Meanwhile, 
Is it any shock that the San Francisco Giants are your most profitable team in baseball right now? If you bet them for $100 in every one of their games so far this year, you're up $1,960. It's relatively equal. At home, if you bet the Giants at every one of their home games, you're up $921. On the road, $1,039. And this is also a San Francisco Giants team that is covering over two-thirds of their games on the run line. That is the best out there in baseball. And second best out there in baseball, being able to cover the run line at very nearly two-thirds. That would be the Boston Red Sox where if you bet on them for $100 in every one of their games, you're up $1,452. And on the road, they've actually been especially good at home. If you back the Boston Red Sox for every one of their home games, you're up $354. Very much on par with the Tampa Bay Rays, which if you bet $100 in every Rays home game, you're up $360. The relative sale mate there. But for the Red Sox, you're up $1,098 on $100 bets on every one of their road games. Meanwhile, the most profitable team out there in the American League, that would be the team that I think is the biggest outlier right now, the Seattle Mariners. $1,722 is the amount of money that you've made if you bet on them for $100 in every game. And you're up $1,288 if you bet on them in every one of their home games, which I do think that is something that is very unique to take a look at. And we have been noticing that home and road splits have been very prevalent. And being able to find a team that is able to win on the road, that has been a very nice luxury. And the Oakland A's have actually been one of them. They're one of the rare teams so far this year that have been a little bit better on the road than they have been at home. If you take a look at the Oakland A's all in all. If you bet on them for $100 in every one of their games, you're up $467, but if you bet on them in every one of their home games, you're down $162. So, all in all, not necessarily too bad, but at the same time, not as good as on the road. If you back the Oakland A's in every one of their road games, you're up $629. So, those are sort of the things that I take a look at, and then when you're just taking a look at weird stats in general, some of the things that really pop out to me, would you think right now that the team with the most homers on the road this year would be the San Francisco Giants. I did not think so, but you take a look at what the San Francisco Giants have been able to do. They are second in the league overall in home runs with 1.48 home runs per game, but on the road, they are pumping out 1.67 home runs per game. Next closest, the Minnesota Twins at 1.45. With the Minnesota Twins, certainly you can see that the offense is there for the team. They've been the best team overall to the over, whether that be on the road or at home, but the pitching just has not been there for them, which is why they have been playing so many overs, and a big reason why we've seen so many overs with the Baltimore Orioles, a collective 5.60 ERA. I'm telling you guys something that you already know. The Baltimore Orioles pitching stinks, but these are some of the things that I take a look at right now, just trying to give myself a little bit of a refresher, take a look at who's been ascending, take a look at who's been declining, and when you just take a look at the teams in their last 10 games going into the All-Star break, some of the teams that were able to get hot, some of the teams that wound up going a little bit cold, one team that I'm going to be taking a look at to see if they're able to build off of their good run to end the first half of the season, that'd be the Cincinnati Reds. They went 8-2 in their last 10 games. They were able to take the final three of their series against the Milwaukee Brewers. And keep in mind with the Cincinnati Reds, they are going to be playing a three-game set coming out of the break starting on Friday with the Milwaukee Brewers. That could be big if you're looking to bet on who's going to win the NL Central. That could be big if you're taking a look at odds to win the National League in general. So that is something that you might want to key in on. These are just, once again, some of the things that I noticed from the first half of the MLB season. I'm taking these next few days, taking a look at some of the pitchers that have slash have not been profitable. And if there's something that I maybe left off on this final segment today that you'd like me to bring up, 
feel free to fire that in. You've got one or two ways to be able to fire in questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you if you have them for this podcast. First one is my Twitter timeline, at GRSCORTY1. Keep in mind, letters EM. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated, and then from there, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you into there. Decided to do a little bit of something different today here in the final segment, just because, once again, I have no games that are going to be coming up on Wednesday. Next game is going to be on Thursday, where we get Yankees Red Sox and we're going to be psyched up for that. I know that our good buddy Joe Gallant of FTM Bets is going to be excited for that as well. He did a great job in the second segment being able to deliver a lot of great information so a big thanks to him. Hopefully you guys are all doing well. Hopefully you guys have been enjoying this all-star break and I'll be coming at you guys once again tomorrow where we're going to be back to breaking down some baseball games with that Yankees Red Sox game coming up on Thursday. So appreciate you guys tuning in and I'll chat at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you.